0: There are far too many people in this world that have a ritual relationship with God. Let me explain what I mean by that. There are plenty of people, in fact, it doesn't, I I honestly, since I've been pastor for the last nine and a half years at Lighthouse, I have never met a person that did not know God, if if I could use that. I've not met, I haven't. I, I go, you know, it seems like nobody's a sinner, nobody's an atheist, everybody's saved, everybody's perfect. They all have a concept of God, but that's as far as it goes. It's a, it's a ritual relationship with God. There, there are a lot of people that know there is a God there, you know, up there, but that's about as far as they can go with that understanding. There's a God, but they know nothing else. And what I'm about to do in the next little bit, and I'm not going to be very long, I hope, but what I'm about to do in the next little bit is is try to help you get from just a, a wide open concept that there might be a God, there might be a man upstairs, there might be some great white spirit, there might be some entity up there. I want you to realize that you can know God. And the best way That you can know God is to read his word. There is, I mean I have read a lot of biographies in my life. A biography is written someone else writes the story of another person's life. That's a biography. But an autobiography is when the person writes their own life. Now, I'm sure there's people that have embellished. But the understanding is I can tell my story better than you can tell my story. And God can explain his story better than anything else if you'll just get a hold of his word. And I want to preach to you for a moment. It'll be a little deep, but you can hang with me. I want to preach to you about the word... Of God, you cannot have a relationship with God outside of His Word, the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, now I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do a lot of Bible verses, and uh, our, I gave my notes to the media team so they could follow it and all of that. But I really hope you have a Bible with you, and uh, if not, we'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, John chapter 1 and verse 1 In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him, in God, was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from John, sent from God, whose name was John, that's John the Baptist. And that same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He, John the Baptist, was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, that lighteth every man that cometh in the world. He was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. This is not talking about John, this is talking about God. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even as many that believe on his name. Which were not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bare witness of him, saying, and cried, This is he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, before he wa- or for he was before me. And of all of his fullness we have received grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Now, I, I read that lengthy portion of scripture because in there is something absolutely incredible. Now, again, let me, let me make this very, very clear. I do not speak Greek. I don't have any knowledge of the Greek language. I am not a, a, a theologian of Greek. But I do understand that the Bible was not written in English. The Bible was translated into English. In fact, the English language is a fairly new language in terms of world languages. And and so when the Apostle John, not John the Baptist, but the Apostle, the disciple John, when he sat down to write the Bible, or write his gospel, if you will, to talk about what he had seen and heard, he wrote it in the language of the Greeks. He wrote it in Greek. In doing so... He chose his words very carefully. Zane, would you get me some water, please? He chose his words very carefully. There were many words that, that uh, uh, John, which I said Zane, but it works because Zane is actually a uh, form of John, so there we go. I meant to do that. How's that? <laughs> Found that out later after we named Zane, Zane, but he, he, he carefully chose the words he was going to use. Just like there are numerous ways that you could could explain something. The the English language is incredibly difficult. And and so because of that, thank you. Because of that, uh, there's many words you could use. You could go get a a thesaurus and you could find just about whatever words you wanted to use. But John was very careful in what he chose. And so he pinned. John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Don't y'all wish y'all had some? That word, Word, with that, the word, Word, that we get in our Bible when you read John 1 1, and, and Word is there, it comes from the Greek word logos. This logos that we are introduced to, that is translated as word, that means that it simply means this something that was said, including the thought. It means that what a man says and what a man thinks to say is all included. When, When you get ready to say something, you have, regardless of how fast it comes, and I know sometimes we, 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 we say things we, we say later we didn't mean, but that's really not entirely true. Our mind has to think about what we're going to say. There is thought that goes into that, and so the word logos is not just the spoken word, but it's the thought that precedes it, and it's everything that leads up to it. You see, the Greeks were thinkers, Philosophy, if if any of you have been to to school, high school even is starting to do it, but especially college, if you have taken philosophy classes, if you have taken any of that, you have delved into uh, Greek thought. They were incredible philosophers and they loved to just simply think. Now, that's good in many ways. There are incredible inventions and incredible thought processes that have come around from the Greek influence. But there was an entire group of Greek philosophy philosophy called the Stoics. And I just, if, if you'll let me do this, the easiest way I can describe that is to take you to the incredible uh, Wikipedia and let you understand what, what Stoicism is, okay? And... Uh, and, and just so you know, uh, Stoicism is an ancient Greek philosophy. It goes all the way back to around 300 BC and it teaches the development of self-control. It teaches fortitude and it's a way of, if you will, overcoming destructive emotions. It was not just a set of beliefs, but it literally became a way of life. It was a, a way of constant practice and training. And you, you had to use logic more than your emotions. And you had to have dialogue and self-dialogue. You had to think about it. If, if I was to say in modern usage, someone is stoic, it means someone is unemotional and indifferent to pain, to pleasure, to grief, or joy. For those of you that need something that's not quite academia, one of the greatest Stoics was Spock. Take that. I got some of you to start listening when I said that. But Stoics believed that the Logos was the universal wisdom. It was a very common and I'm going to tell you right now that I don't understand it all. I've not taken philosophy like some of you have. But they said that logos or the word was the natural universal reason in all things. So if you were unhappy, you were you you were ignorant. If you were unkind, you were going against the universe's natural reasoning. It's very similar to things that are found in other uh, uh, ethical teachings that, that it's, it's in your mind. It's how you think. And they said that the entire universe behind the universe was Logos. Now, John sits down to pen what he has seen, the gospel. The Stoics they said that Logos was the reason behind the universe, and it reminds me of another time when Paul, the Apostle Paul, Paul was taking a walk around Mars Hill in in Athens, in Athens, Greece. There there, and, and it's still there today. I don't know what all standing, but you can still walk around it. They call it Mars Hill. But but on Mars Hill they had they had a lot of of idols, and they had different statues and and things and, and they would talk about some great philosophers great thinkers but in that they had a lot of gods that were represented by idols and in the middle of Mars Hill there was an idol And and everything else had a name. Everything else said this is, you know, the God of this, the God of war, the God of love. This is, you know, the the God of of fertility. This is the the God of the water. This is the God of the dead. This is this philosophy. But in the middle of Mars Hill, and you can go look at historically, in the middle of Mars Hill, there was a a, a idol or a, a, a something that had this inscription, to the unknown God. They were so afraid that in all of their identification of all these gods that they might have forgotten one. And so they put a catch-all to the unknown God. And Paul, because Paul's smart, Paul walks around there and he's looking at all of that. And Paul says, as he stands there in the midst of Mars Hill, Acts chapter 17 and verse 22, he said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you were too superstitious. I passed by, I looked at your devotions, and I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. And whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. He wasn't saying that they were ignorant. He just said you're worshiping a God you don't even know. So let me tell you who the unknown God with you. And this is what Paul says. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made by hands. Neither is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needeth anything, seeing that he giveth to all life, breath, and all things and hath made one blood of all nations of men to dwell in all of the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. God made every race. God made every creed. God knew where the boundaries of countries and and cities would be. And if they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far from any one of us, for in Him, in God, we live and move and have our beings. As certain as some of your own poets have said, they, they've said we are God's offspring. And for so much that we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art or man's device. There ain't a chance that any of us could sit down and try to craft something that looks like the God of the universe. He doesn't need your help to paint a picture of what he looks like. He doesn't need your help to take and, and, and carve out some stone to make it look like. And in and the Bible says in verse 30, In the times of this ignorance God has winked at, but now he is commanding all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness, that the man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance to all men, and that he raised him from the dead. There's only one I know that has been raised like that. So see, it's that understanding that John decides to write, and he uses that word Logos. And John, in the very beginning of his book, he goes, Greeks, you are absolutely right that Logos, the word, that you, you're absolutely right that Logos is behind the universe. He says, you are exactly right. There is a force behind the creation, but you don't know who it is. You, you say it's impersonal. You say it just is there. That The Greeks would have told you it didn't happen by accident. There was some force there. but But John says, I would like to tell you that rather than an impersonal force behind the creation of the universe, let me say it like this. In the beginning was the Logos, the Word, and that Logos, that Word was with God, and that Logos, that creator of the universe, is God. In the beginning, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, I'm going to skip over some, but I want you to see... God said, let there be light. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And God called the firmament heaven. And God said, let the waters under heaven be gathered together in one place and let dry land appear. And God called the dry land earth. And God called the gathering of the water seas. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed. And God said, let there be lights in heaven to divide the night from the day. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and the birds that fly. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. And God said, let us make man in his in our image after our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish and of the sea and the fowl of the air and over the cattle and all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, male and female. God created them. Did you catch that all God had to do was speak? And God said... And God said, why? It's because there is a word behind creation. There is a logos behind creation. God has this incredible ability that the God of creation, by His own voice, caused everything to spring out of a nothingless void and it was there. Nothing else can do that. When's the last time you 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 stood at your kitchen with nothing and made a cake It don't work that way. I've tried. I have. Room? Clean yourself. I have told you about the laundry fairy. Right? I've told you about that. It's amazing. I can go to bed and put all my clothes on the floor. The next morning when I wake up, a lot of times they're washed and folded. It's amazing. (laughs) I feel bad because I feel like some of you are like, I want one of those. (laughs) Now, I have an incredible wife. An incredible wife. Let me say that again. An incredible wife. But God, out of nothing, created everything by just his voice. And God was not done. God later tabernacled himself in the tent that Moses created. Now, he did it after God's word, but Moses created the tabernacle, the tent. And God moved in there, and and God was there, and it was where the children of Israel could could have a relationship with God. It It was distant. It wasn't exactly what God desired, but they could at least hear from God, and the priests would be there. They were there. But John wasn't done in just writing that. John goes on in verse 14 and this is what he says. And the Logos, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. The God of creation revealed himself to man the way it had never happened. And you, well not you and I, but humanity, we beheld his glory. It was the ultimate revealing of God. His name was Jesus Christ. God incarnate God manifest in the flesh which is why Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8 beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men or after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ because in Christ for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in Christ he's the head of all principality and power in whom you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in that you put off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ you were buried with him in baptism wherein also you were risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead and you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together he hath forgiven you of all of your ordinances and he has that, that were contrary to him and he took it out of the way and he Nailed it to his cross. Jesus, God, became flesh. The Logos, the creation, the power is there. Let's take this unveiling of God a bit deeper. There's another word in the Greek that deals with words, it's rima. It's most commonly known as the spoken word. For example, if you were to, to look at a prophet prophesying, now obviously the Old Testament would not have been written in Greek. The Old Testament would have been written in Hebrew. But, but if a Greek was going to tell you, hey, that prophet is prophesying, they would not use the word logos. They would use the word rema, meaning they were speaking. It was a spoken word. But they were not speaking their own words. Remember, Logos is, is not only what is spoken, but it's also what's behind it, the thought of it. It's, it's the preparation of that word. But when a prophet got up to speak, it was not his words. A, a, a biblical prophet would have been speaking the words of God, right? Okay? They were not his words. In fact, many times, what would they say? Thus saith the Lord. Rema, a spoken word. But watch this. And again, I don't have time to go through it all, but it's incredible. Jesus steps on the scene. Remember, this is, this is God become flesh. God manifested himself so that you and I could see him. He said, I want to show the whole world who I am. They've never been able to have a relationship with me. They've never been able to get close to me. It's always been distant. But Jesus comes. God manifesting in the flesh. And when he steps on the scene, it would seem as though he was another prophet. In fact, there were many that thought that. Oh, you must be Isaiah, raised from the dead. You must be Jeremiah, raised from the dead. You're just another prophet. You're here to tell us about God. You're a good preacher. Now, I did it very quickly, and I may be off, and if I am, I apologize. But, but in my office this afternoon, I counted 126 times that Jesus said this phrase or something very similar. And the best way that I can show you is for, for uh, uh, you to put on the screen Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. And then I'm going to blow through it as fast as I can. Um, think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I've not come to destroy but to fulfill. How many of you have, your, have a physical Bible in front of you right now? Sister Harpole, does yours have red letters in it? Is that red? Yeah. Anybody else have red letters in that? This is Jesus speaking. If you have a Bible, and, and many times our Bibles, they have red lettering when it means Jesus is speaking. Nobody else is speaking. It's Jesus. That way you know. And so in here, it's red letters. Jesus is speaking. But look what he says in verse 18. For verily I say unto you. Look at verse 20, for I say unto you, look at verse 22, but I say unto you, 26, verily I say unto you, 28, I say unto you, 32, I say unto you, 39, I say unto you, 44, but I say unto you. When Jesus showed up, he didn't say, thus saith the Lord. He didn't say, let me tell you what God says. He said, let me tell you what I'm about to say. Why? Because I am that logos. I am that word manifest in the flesh. I am God come down to earth. When Jesus said it, we just sung about it. When Jesus said it, he meant it. He was not repeating what he heard. He is the Word. By virtue of John chapter 1 and verse 14, God became flesh. God revealed Himself. Watch this. If if Logos is that created creative power of the universe, that's what the Bible says. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. We know that God created the heavens. So Logos becomes that creation. If that is the case, then Jesus is that creative word in Genesis. Jesus is the tabernacled word in Exodus. Let me show you why. Jesus right now and this is what we've preached about this morning it's what we've sung about tonight it's what I'm preaching about now Jesus is that creative word that can step into the nothingness of your life into the void of your life and he doesn't just put a little pain on you and turn you into a fixer-upper in your life but instead he takes you from nothing and empty void and he creates in you a new spirit a new heart a right spirit he takes an old empty, ugly shell of sin, and he makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus. How can Jesus do it? Because he's the Logos, the creative word, he's the tabernacled word in your heart. No longer does God desire to live in the tabernacle and the temples made by human hands, but instead, Jesus says, I want to live here I want to live in the heart of man that's why the Bible says this know ye not that you are the your body is the temple of the Lord don't you know that your heart is the tabernacle of God God desires God wants to live in you why because he's the tabernacled word he's God manifest in the flesh Take this a little bit further. I, I, I don't have time. Would you put up, uh, is that Brother Mike, I believe, back there. Would you put up Revelation chapter 19 and verse 13? Just give me a chance. I, I'm I'm almost done. I, I didn't I didn't need to scream and holler tonight. I just want someone to understand the power that's there. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 13. Hopefully, if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. This is this is getting to to the end time, this is getting to what what heaven is going to be like, this is getting to what you're going to see, and this is what the Bible says, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. You, if if you have a Bible that would show some Greek words, if you looked at that word, the reason word is capitalized right there is because it means the Logos. This is the exact same thing, and we're talking about Jesus here. This is the exact same thing that John wrote about it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh. Here you go. It says that if you want to look at the one who's gonna conquer, if you want to look at the one that's gonna be there when all of the world World ends. His name is the Word of God. I'm talking about Jesus. Something about that that begins to happen. You say, Pastor, why in the world are you spending all of this time on this? Well, give me five minutes, and I'll, I'll give you the end of my message. Peter wrote this in the second epistle. I'm sorry, the first epistle. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 25. In fact, why don't you turn there with me? 1 Peter chapter 2 and and verse 25. This is what it says. Let's go to 1 Peter, Brandon. It works better. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 25 says this. notes are... I started getting some handwriting notes and now I've messed it all up. Well, this is what I wrote down. You'll have to tell me what verse I'm at because obviously I can't read my own handwriting. But the Bible says this. I hate when that happens. You ought to be on this side of the pulpit. It says that the Word of God endures forever. And it goes on to talk about the gospel... That is preached. In Romans chapter 5. I'm sorry. Romans chapter 9 and verse 17. It says faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Uh, Another verse in Luke chapter 4 and verse 4. And, and, and I love this because this is when Jesus, after he, he had been baptized by John the Baptist and he goes out in the wilderness and he's been in the wilderness for some 40 days and Satan comes and he, Satan is buffeting him and Satan is trying to get his attention and, and he knows Jesus has, is hungry because Jesus was all man as well as being all God. And, and the man, the humanity is hungry. He's famished. And Satan rears its ugly head and says, you know Jesus, if you're really God, you could pick up that piece of stone and you could just snap your fingers and it would turn into bread. And God manifest in the flesh doesn't go all cosmic on Satan. He simply says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but out from every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of Rema is that spoken word. When I get up behind this pulpit, when, when others get up behind this pulpit, what I am speaking is declaring that Logos word in John chapter 1. Everything I'm about is pointing you. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And all things that were made by, and and all things were made that were made. My job is to preach Jesus and watch what He can do. There's a lot of Rema of words and, and and I hate even saying that because it sounds so weak, because there's a lot of people that use that in 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 their own twisted logic and, and so I don't I don't speak like that normally. It becomes a very I don't know how to describe it, for lack of a better word, tele evangelist word. The reason there are so many people that can preach, they can speak a word, but there's no power, is because all they're doing is preaching, but they're not talking about God manifest in the flesh. If you don't know God, then what are you talking about? I want my preaching to be with a demonstration of spirit and power and truth. What I say, I want God to back up by who He is. And if I don't have the Logos in my life, if I don't have God manifested in the flesh, if I'm not preaching about the Gospel of Jesus Christ, then my preaching is useless. The only way my sermons are ever going to be effective is if I connect you to God himself. Paul said it best. I've not come with words of wisdom. I'm not trying to impress you with all I know. My goodness, I can't even read my own notes up there. I can't even find the verse in the Bible I'm looking for. If you're depending on my knowledge and my understanding, you are in a heap of trouble. I went to school I got a bachelor's in theology I mean I I did my work but there's a lot of people out there that's smarter than I am there's a lot of people out there that can talk better than I can even use the correct words occasionally there's one thing I know because I made it up a long time ago Not just yesterday or last week. I made it up a long time ago, Brother Peters. I only want to know one thing. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I only want to know one thing. Jesus Christ and He was buried. I only want to know one thing. Jesus Christ rose again and everything else is going to fall into place. If I'll just get in my heart, I'm going to preach Jesus. Why? Because He's God manifest in the flesh. we'll get that Logos word behind us, everything will go. And I'm going to bring you all the way to, to, to where I'm trying to end. And I know tonight's been more of a Bible study than anything else. Today's been all messed up. Didn't even preach really this morning, just exhorted. I've had conversations. I've had about three of them in the last week with different people. People that say, I want to know God. But they have no concept that he has a book that will tell them everything they need to know about him. One of the things that the enemy has done, the enemy, I'm talking about the devil, say Lucifer, however you want to call him. One of his greatest attacks has been on the word of God. It started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. God told Adam and Eve, said, said, I got basically two rules for you. Maybe three. Keep the garden. Make sure everything's happening. Dress the garden. You're, you're, You're in charge of this Garden of Eden. I want you to eat every tree you can find to eat. You can eat any of it you want to eat, including in the middle of the tree, there's a tree of life. If you eat of that tree, you'll live forever. That's the second commandment. You can eat any tree you want to. Here's the third. But don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day in which you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Adam and Eve are walking around. Eve goes up really close to that tree. That old devil begins to weasel its way out in the form of some serpent, if you will. This is what the devil tells Eve. Did God really say... If you touch the tree, you're going to die. Now, did God say, don't no, touch the tree? No. They could have built a tree house in that tree and been okay. It's not good that you stay that close to something forbidden. But they could have built a tree house and been fine. But the first thing that, that that devil did is he started questioning the word of God. Did God say, you can't touch the tree? And Eve's response indicated that she was lost. She said, we can't eat the tree. We can't touch the tree. We can't go near the tree. And Satan went, "Mm, you don't know God's word. I got you. Well, Eve, if you eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll be as smart as God. You'll be as bright as God. In fact, you'll be like a God. I think you should eat it. Eve reached up her hand and grabbed a hold of that fruit. She ate and she gave to her husband. Her husband was right there. And he did eat. And at that moment, guilt and condemnation and sin entered in. And they began to hide from God because sin separates you from God. And it all started when you don't know His Word. And throughout history... One of the greatest and most the first attack is always on the word of God. It, it doesn't matter what it is, they're gonna attack the word of God. God's word doesn't mean that. God's word doesn't say that. Come on, there's no way God would ever do that. Until finally, throughout the history, there, there were there there were entire Generations that were killed for reading the Word of God. There were entire places where if you owned a Bible, and I'm not talking about communist China, I'm talking about in what they would say would be Christian nations. Going back to the Reformation, going back to all of that. If you owned a Bible, they would burn you at the stake because they wanted to tell you what they thought God should be, not what His Word tells us He should be. The Word of God. Yeah, there's some big words in there. Some these and some thous. If you read the King James, there's some begats and begottens and some hard to read genealogies. But it's not as hard as you think. Now, I know that Someone might say, "Well, well, what if I'm illiterate and I can't read the Bible? Then, then what's going to happen to me?" That's okay, because there's other ways. There, there's Bible on tape. There's Bible on CD. You're going to hear it preached, especially if you come to Lighthouse, because we're going to preach the Bible. The point is, you got to know the Word of God. And I have, I have thought, Brother Harding, would you, Brother Tom Harding, would you come up here with me? When I was in Bible college. They always told me that it's really easy to get the middle of your sermon together. It's really hard to get how you start and how you finish. There's been some times that I didn't know how to finish, and so we just kept going until I figured something out. But I I, I was praying today. There's a lot of different ways I could end this sermon. But, But God just impressed me. Brother Harding, I want you just to, here, I want you just to come and sit right here. This is how much I believe what I'm preaching. I get you at the most somewhere in the vicinity of 52 hours a week. Sunday morning that's where most people come now tonight what a crowd but not that there's a guarantee but if you will I'm guaranteed 52 hours one hour you know, about 35 minutes or so of a, of a sermon every week 52 weeks a year if you come on Sunday nights we're going to jump that up a little bit we'll be around 100 hours of, of preaching that you're going to hear not all by your pastor I'm thankful for the men Women of God that are able to fill and, and, and teach. If you come on Wednesday nights, now we're up about 150 or so. That's all I got. This is how much I believe this. I've asked Brother Harding to sit right there, and I'm going to invite you to stand. Now, I don't. I, honestly, I don't know any other way to end this service. I, I believe God has been speaking. I believe God has been touching. And what we're going to do in a moment is we're just going to come to the front and I'm going to let you just begin to pray. And, and, and I'm going to let you pray however you want to pray because God is able to speak in an in individual. But I also have another reason for getting everybody moving. It's because Brother Harding right here has got a, pen, a piece of paper and a pen. And if you're in this building and you do not have a Bible, I'm going to buy you a Bible and I'm going to have it Wednesday night, and I'm gonna have them right here on this on the on the on the platform. If you're not here Wednesday, I'll have it Sunday. Because you need the Word of God. I'm gonna find you a Bible that has like like mine. Not necessarily to look like mine, but my Bible's got big margins on the side. So that when I read my Bible, I can write notes. Or I could write questions, Sister K. So that I could come to church and say, Pastor, or whoever you're talking to, I didn't understand this, and you can show me and we we'll go over it together. So in just a moment, when I get everybody moving and we begin to pray, if you're in this building and you don't have a Bible, I don't care if you're a millionaire and you could go buy a thousand Bibles, if you don't have a Bible. I want you to come tell Brother Hardy he's going to get your name and your phone number. I probably already have it but that way it's all in one piece of paper. I'm going to buy you a Bible. And the second part of that equation is if you're in this building and you say you know what I want a Bible or I have a Bible but I want to know more about it. It may not be me because at some point I'm going to run out of time and, and, and hours of a day but if you'll come and tell Brother Harding right here and say, 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 Tom, I need a Bible, or maybe you already have a Bible, but I want to know more about the Bible. And, and what we call that is a home Bible study. We can come to your home, or, or, or you can come to the church, and we got a cool room downstairs. It's got some couches. It's set up like a living room, and we can do it there. We can meet you at a Starbucks or McDonald's or wherever you want to go. And I will find someone that knows the Word of God that can teach you. And we'll go, we'll start, there's several different ways we can do it. But if you'll give us about an hour of your time a week for about 12 weeks, we can walk you through the entire Bible and at least let you see an overview of how it all fits together. Because that's how important the Word of God is so Tom is going to take your name if you need a Bible he's going to take your name if you want a Bible study friend if you've been in church a long time but you still want a Bible study don't let that keep you away because I need his word and I want us just as they begin to sing I'm, I, I, I don't. I feel so many things right now I feel so many emotions that I. I that there's so much more I want to say but I've got to stop I'm going to open these altars. I want you just to begin to come. And and some of the the movement of coming is just so people are comfortable with coming up to Tom and saying, I need a Bible. And friend, if you come up and say, I need a Bible, that doesn't mean anything bad. It's something real. But if you're here, I want us just to flood this front with, with prayer. Because there is a deep move of God that is beginning to happen. Because this is a church that understands the Word of God and understands the power of God. And when you begin to do that, something begins to happen. And life begins to come and life begins to move. And salvation is here. Would you just help?